see all of you this morning. Y'all glad to be in church this morning? Amen? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I want to preach to you a message called, What's So Amazing About Grace? What's So Amazing About Grace? I want to use a text that I've used a lot in my ministry. When I first started preaching, this was a long time ago, probably 30 years ago or something close to that, WMOK used to let some of us come out there on Saturday and preach. Uh, I think we had to pay for it as well, but I used to do that. I was a member of a little country church called Macedonia Baptist Church here in this area, and I went out there on Sunday morning or Saturday morning and, and preached for a little while, and I used this text every time, and I, and I memorized it in the King James, and I'm going to quote it for you today, and we're going to use that. It's out of Titus chapter 2, and it's one of the best verses in the Bible or passages in the Bible that explains the grace of God. And so we want to read it together. If you have your outline, you can get ready to get started, and we'll have it on the board as well. Um, this series is called Kingdom Come, and the series is about God's kingdom. Jesus came to earth preaching, the kingdom of heaven is near. It's at hand. It means it's accessible. The kingdom of God is accessible right now. The literal kingdom of God is yet to come, and that's going to happen someday. Praise God. All the, the, uh, the nations of the world one day are going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord because he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? And we get to serve him right now. We get to submit to him right now as our king, as our master, as our savior. And as we do that, his kingdom comes and dwells within us. Do you realize that today? You believers, you've gathered here together in the name of Jesus. The Bible says where two or more gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Do you realize the king of everything is here with us today? So why would we be afraid of anything, right? And God's grace changes everything, doesn't it? My aim today is going to be to get you to think about what type of life you have with God. Either you're living with God through God's grace or you're living through law. It's one or the other. Or you might not even know God at all or have any idea about God. But there's a lot of people in the church today that live saying they sing amazing grace, but yet they live by law. And they live a life of trying very hard to change their self on the inside. And they try to change things and change their life. And they try to get peace and they try to get joy and they try so hard. And we always fail, don't we? 3D Life Recovery tonight at 5 o'clock. Joey Mouse is ready to speak to you tonight. I can't wait. Amen. Y'all happy for that? Come on. A little love going on here. And Joey, I think if I could characterize anything about your life, it's nothing but grace. God's grace has taken messed up people like us and just put us all together. Amen? God takes messed up people and puts them together. And if you're messed up today, let me tell you something. Jesus came for folks like you and me. Okay? We want to focus on his goodness today because we're going to describe his grace and his, his, as good as I can this morning. What's so amazing about grace? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present evil world, looking for that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God has appeared. When you look at the word grace, you need to know that the word grace is a, is a Greek word, and the Greek word is charis, and it's very similar to what we would call charisma. It's very closely aligned with the word that we would get charity. You see, love and grace kind of go together. When you have love, you have grace. If you have grace, you have love. It's kind of impossible to have love and not have grace. So if you're not a graceful person, then you're probably not a very loving person. And the reason you're not a very loving person is because you've never experienced God's grace. Steve Brown always says you can only love to the extent that you've been loved, and I think that's true. Why so many people in the world today don't love better is because they've never been loved, because they're looking for love in all the wrong places. Sorry about that. But you guys know what I mean, amen? So what does the word grace mean? Let me just, I, I was going to put it on the screen, but I can't put all the words on it. Are you ready for this? This is the Greek definition of the word charis, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. What's so amazing about grace? That's a pretty good word, isn't it? In fact, I'd challenge you to find a better word anywhere, amen? And grace basically means it is what God has extended to you and me. You see, throughout history, and particularly the history of the Jewish nation, they looked at God as a God of laws, and rightly so. God gave the law to Moses, but the law was not given to Moses in order to show us, you know, how it is that we can be saved. If you could keep the law, of course you could be saved, but no one can keep the law. Do you know anybody that's been able to keep the law? Do you know anybody that's been able to do it right all the time? You might actually do something right on the outside, but on the inside, you're not doing it right. Amen? Because on the inside is where the reality lives. And we're really good sometimes at faking it. We look good on the outside, but on the inside, according to Jesus, we're like dead men's bones. We've got problems in here, and that's what makes it messed up out here. So grace is something that is needed and God showed his grace by sending Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that when Jesus came to the world, he came with grace and truth. He was a person who exhibited grace. He was the exemplary of grace. He was the person that showed the world what God was like. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, I get tired of hearing it sometimes that God, you know, if you really go by the Bible and you really get into God's Word, and you find out that God's a mean-spirited God. On the contrary, God is a graceful God. The problem is we have a wicked heart. And our wicked heart does not like to submit to the graceful God. And so we feel like we can do this on our own. We feel like we can muster it up on our own. We feel like we can be religious and God will just one day look at this and say, you know what, you're doing pretty good. I think I'll let you come in. That's not the way it works. You see, God wants to transform us. God wants to transform us from the inside. You know why? Not because he doesn't like us, not because he's mad at us, but because he knows what's good for us. Do you realize when God says no to something, he's not sitting there going, look here, I'm going to keep them from having any fun. Let's go back to this word grace, what it means. 
What it means, it means merciful kindness, exerting his holy influence upon souls, increasing them to Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. That doesn't sound like a God that's trying to take things away from you. In fact, the truth of the matter is God's trying to keep you from doing the things that are going to rob you of life because everybody in the room has at some point has decided, I'm going to do things my way, and every time we did, it didn't work. Instead of getting life, we got death. Ladies and gentlemen, God is a God that's alive. We do not worship a God who is dead. We worship the God who is the God of the living. And he is here today to change your life. I'm looking for people today that's been struggling. I'm looking for people today that wants their life to change. I'm looking for people today that's willing to get honest about whether or not this is real on the inside. I want to give you five thoughts about grace. Five. Count them five. Five. Five thoughts about grace that are going to describe what Paul says here in Titus chapter 2. Are you ready to go first? Number one, grace is the goodness of God that has been revealed to the world. Grace is the goodness of God that has been revealed to the world. When God sent Jesus Christ into the world, he did have a whip, but he only had a whip for those people that were uh, taking his uh, uh, temple and, and making it into a marketplace and, and denigrating his temple. But Jesus, for the most part, in fact, 99% of the time, you see Jesus running with people who society had cast out. And you see Jesus having grace and goodness to people who could not help themselves. They would sit up on the side of the road and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what Jesus did? He had mercy on them. And anybody in this room today, if you would say, Son of David, have mercy on me, guess what would happen? The grace of God would come to you. It's the goodness of God that has been revealed to the world. All over the world people know about this. It's the Greek word. It, it looks like epiphany. When the Bible says it's appeared, it's like an epiphany. You see, for 2,000 years, the Jewish nation had the law, and they did their best, but they, didn't, they couldn't quite make it, and, and the law had no power to change their heart, no power to save them. And then one day, at, when the time was right, a virgin had a child. And this child came into the world and grew and became the man that was going to be the one who was going to save the world. And Jesus went to the cross to show God the goodness of God given to those throughout the entire world. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. It's shown out. It's, a, it's visible. It's appeared. It's made clearly known. Secondly, the grace of God is the favor of God given to the undeserving it's a favor of God given to the undeserving now have you never known anybody in your life that did not deserve your kindness can we be honest can we be honest about how we interact with people who are not very kind to us put yourself in the place of God for a moment it's really hard to do but think about this think about God in heaven creating what we know as the world and think about what this holy God would see when he looks down and sees what's going on in the world. And show me one person in the world that deserves anything good from him. But yet he sent his only son to die for that world. Grace is the goodness of God. The favor of God given to the undeserving. You might say, I don't deserve God's favor. Then you're a candidate. 
You see, the people that think they do deserve it are religious people. They think, well, God honors me because I do certain things. That kind of person will never get the grace of God. You know what's probably standing in some people's way of getting the grace of God? They think they deserve something. They think maybe they've done something well. I've, got, I've been good. I've been better than others. And, you know, sometimes we just compare ourselves with somebody else. Did you ever notice when you compare your life to somebody else, you always pick somebody that's not doing as well as you are? And did you know that sometimes religious people, they like to criticize people who do things that they don't struggle with? I like to point out somebody else's faults when I don't have that problem, amen? But I really don't like it when it comes back to me. And we like to look around and say, well, this person is bad. This person doesn't deserve it. This person is ungodly. This person has a problem. And we look at it that way and say, well, you know what? God could not help them. I want you to think of this. Think of the person in the world that, who is the worst person in the world. Think about it. And most of us in our humanists would say that person would never deserve the grace of God. But that's exactly who God came to show his goodness for. Sometimes people say, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. Ladies and gentlemen, today, we don't want fair. Because if you get what's fair, it's not going to be grace. Grace is never fair. Grace is goodness, favor given to the undeserving. The grace of God that brings salvation. Number three, grace is the power of God to change what I could not. Grace is the power of God to change what I could not. This is, this is huge to me. I learned this uh, this week in, in a very real way. See, grace is a gift and a work that begins on the inside. It starts in here. The text says that the grace of God teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. You see, this is where the change starts to happen. The grace of God is the power of God to change what I couldn't change. Tell me this. The problems you struggle with, I want you to think about them for a minute. I want you to get real honest inside of your own mind about the things you struggle with. The thoughts that you have, the, the appetites you have, the habits you have, the particular things that bother you. Come on, we all got, do you all have them or not? Or am I the only one? Anybody? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Say, you're preaching to me, preacher. Three of you were. And we got this stuff in there. And, and you know, you, you can't by willpower stop that on the inside. You know, I can tell every one of you right now, you know, when I'm done preaching, we've got the best chocolate chip cookies in the world, and I command you not to think about cookies right now. Every one of you are thinking about it. Because there's something in us, and we can't change that on the inside. So, this is why religion never works because we're trying to take something on the outside and work it on the inside and change it on the inside and it never works well how does the grace of God change us on the inside it's something that John Townsend said in his book The Entitlement Cure he was talking about life change and he said that absent compassion no one really changes and I thought that's right have you ever been criticized to the point of change? Have you ever been nitpicked to the point of change? I mean, does, is that a very good strategy? Can, can we get real honest today and say, you know, I have a problem with that sometimes. I try to criticize people and nitpick them. and You know what I mean? And it never works. I mean, 
Put yourself in this position. The boss comes in and says, I need to see you in the office. Uh Uh-oh. Most of the time, they don't call you in there to tell you what a great job you were doing. I I used to run restaurants, and when someone would come to the office and say, customer wants to speak to the manager, it was never something about, let me tell you how good you've done today. And you know, that might, they criticized me, they criticized my people, and so then I would do what everyone should do. I would criticize the person, but nothing really changed. But you know what I found changed things? When you would start telling people that they were doing what they did and they were doing a good job. When you gave out some uh, compassion, when you were graceful with people, when you give people some encouragement. I've found that the more encouragement I give, the more people change. You see, the grace of God is that goodness. It's the power that changes the inside that I couldn't do. You see, if you think God's mad at you every day and you're like, okay, I'm not going to... Let's just, let's just get it like, like we're doing now. I'm not going to think of cookies. I'm not going to think of cookies. I'm not going to think of cookies. And you run right to the cookie jar. God, I'm not going to think about that. God, I'm not going to do that. God, I'm going to get better at that. And every time we fail. But the grace of God is that which teaches us what not to do. It's something on the inside. It's a power. It's a goodness that teaches us what not to do. And you know why? Because it's better to go with the goodness of God. The goodness of God is given to us, and because God has been good to us, you know what we decide? It's better to live for God than it is to do what I used to do. What does it teach us to do? It teaches us what not to do. The word is denying, and the word denying means to disown. It means to disown. Two things that we are taught by the grace of God to disown. One is ungodliness, the other is worldly desires. Ungodliness is the state of heart where we not only disobey God, we actively oppose Him. The grace of God changes that in us. I remember when I first came to Metropolis and we began to work here at Eastland, uh, there was a family that we ministered to. They weren't coming to the church at the time. I think they began to come to the church. I don't remember all of this, but they had a daughter. They wanted us to visit the daughter. We went to see the daughter. In fact, it was Robin that did this. She went to see the daughter, and she told me later how, how troubled she was at meeting with this daughter because she mentioned something about God, and the daughter took her middle finger and pointed it at God and said some expletive that I couldn't, couldn't say here. And I want to tell you what that is. That is ungodliness. That is a, an attitude, and I'm not here to put somebody down or pick on anybody. It's just an attitude that, you know, when we see that, we go, how could somebody say something like that? Because some of us here in the room, we're not, we're not that hardened yet, but you know our culture is. Our culture will do anything now. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. It doesn't matter about the respect or reverence for God. This culture today will do anything, and they will actively oppose God. And that's what Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 1, that the wrath of God is revealed for all the ungodliness. The grace of God is what changes all of that. I'll tell you what that young lady needed. She needed the grace of God. And I'll tell you what people who have this ungodly spirit need. They need the grace of God. I want you to know that that person has not sinned against the the day of grace that person can still be saved and I want you to know maybe you have had problems with ungodliness in your life and you're mad at God and maybe you think God has done you wrong and you're ready to look at God and say God I've had it with you God I'm done with you God you have just been bad to me I want you to know God's goodness is still extended to you well how am I going to change that on the inside 
I can tell you what will soften and change a heart. Receive God's goodness. Just receive God's goodness. I'm going to show you how in a little bit. That's point number two. Point number three, the power of God to change what I could not. It teaches us to deny ungodliness. And the other thing is worldly lust. To deny worldly lust or worldly desires. Now, this is something that we all deal with. Something that we all deal with. It's the word epithumia, and it simply means that we're denying my sinful nature the right to express itself. Does everybody know that you've got these things on the inside of you? You have the capability to disrespect God with your attitude. You also have something inside of you that never really dies until you physically leave this world, and it's the lust of the flesh. 1 John chapter 4, chapter 2, should I say. 1 John chapter 2 says it like this. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. By the way, the world is passing away. The world is passing away. We sang that a while ago. The world shall soon dissolve like snow. Listen, if the world is everything you're living for, understand this. Your God is temporary. But our God is is forever you don't have to go down that line and and you see the thing about people that are loving this world it's something that's within each one of us can anybody say amen to that we all deal with this the lust of the flesh that's the appetites that's the drives that are in us the drives that we end up going the wrong way when we don't want to we end up doing the wrong things when we really don't want to and we can't understand why the apostle paul says i don't really understand what i do there's something in me that makes me go this wrong direction. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way you can deal with that problem is by the grace of God. The grace of God is the power that can put checks on your flesh. Not only the lust of the flesh, but the lust of the eyes. You know what the lust of the eyes really is? It's to appear to be something. It's the applause of people ladies and gentlemen we do this on social media every day we put pictures out there that says I'm great I'm good I'm wonderful I'm I'm lovely we call it virtue signaling now companies that say well I'm better than somebody else a person says well I care about somebody else and they say things that they don't really mean that's the lust of the eye and then the boastful pride of life look at me look what I've done we all have that inside of us, and the only thing in the world that can change the inside of us is the goodness of God, the grace of God. It's the power to change what I could not. Point number four, the grace of God is the life that I could not live. It's the life that I could not live. You see, absent the grace of God, we're all messed up. Absent the grace of God, worldly lust, pride of life, Lust of the eyes leading to ungodliness and one day ruin because the thing that we live for is going to die and pass away. But you add the grace of God, then the inside begins to change. And the inside begins to change because on the inside you start to recognize that God is a good God. That God didn't just come to the world just to beat you down. God didn't just come into the world to tell you how wrong you are and how bad you are. Yes, he tells you you need to repent, but the reason he wants you to repent is so that you can have faith in him and so that you can have eternal life. 
because God so loved the world. He loved people that had problems on the inside. He loved people that couldn't stop what they were doing. He loved people that had bad attitudes and people that were going the wrong way. He loved people that had been in places where they shouldn't have been and living lives that they shouldn't live. And he loved people to the extent that he said, I'm going to send my son to die for them. And now anyone who will believe in him, anyone who will believe in him, I will give them eternal life. That's goodness. That's God's grace. And that's what God's doing today. And he's brought us together to show us that it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can have a new life today. You can have the power of God today. And you won't do it because God's mad. And you won't do it because you deserve to be beaten. You will do it because God looks at you and says, I love you anyway. And I'm willing to take everything you've ever done and put it behind my back. And you know what? God never brings it up again. And when God's grace comes to me, it's goodness and it's a life that I could not live. Grace is the way my life is changed on the outside. See, guys, you've got to have it on the inside before you can have it on the outside. You see, you can beat somebody into submission, but you'll never get their heart. You can criticize somebody. If you're over them in an authoritative position, you might get them to do what you said, but you can never win their heart that way. God wins our hearts. You know why? Because he's a good, good father. And he loves his children. He loves you and I so much that he was willing to send his son. Think about it. There was nothing in us that somebody could say we deserve to have this goodness. Nothing. We're all together come, become unprofitable and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God yet. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness, disowning it, disowning worldly lust, that we should live. It also tells us how we live. The grace of God is what changes people. It takes people from people that live one way and now they live something else. It's so radical that we call it a new birth. It's like being born again. You know why? Because it is. That we should live soberly. Soberly. That's a great verse for 3D life recovery, ain't it? We should live soberly, sensibly. In other words, we don't live in chaos. We don't live in anxiety. Ladies and gentlemen of the church, if you have received the grace of God, then Draw near to his goodness today and stop worrying about everything. He has given us the power to live soberly where we don't have to be afraid. I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but I know one thing. My God is already in tomorrow. And there's no way that I can live without him. I'm not going to live without him. I'm never going to live without him. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, praise God. The enemy says, I'll take you down. The world says, I'll punish you or I'll cancel you. Go ahead. You can't cancel God. Somebody says, what if I lose my job on certain reasons and things like that? I'm like, look. The world has to, to starve you, the world has to starve God. It's not possible. The grace of God teaches us to live soberly, to live righteously. The word righteous means to do what's right. 
agreeable and to live godly in reverence to God. What's so amazing about grace? Grace is the life that I could not live. It was the power to change that I could not change. It's the goodness of God sent to the whole world. It's the favor of God to the undeserving. But don't miss this one. It's the hope that brings me happiness. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people that have happiness as a goal for their life. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. It's a terrible goal, but it's a great way to live. So let me tell you how to get there. You can never find happiness by looking for happiness. You find happiness when you receive the hope that comes from the grace of God. The text said, looking for that blessed hope. The word hope is confident expectation. You know what that means? That means we know he's coming. Some people would say, well, it's been a lot of years and he hasn't come yet. The Bible is so structured to teach us that in every generation we expect the the imminent return of our master. And if you think someone's coming home, you will prepare for that. Let me give you an illustration. A couple of weeks ago, my friend who's here today, and he's going to come speak to you in a moment, but Brother Kip, he was uh, expecting a visit from home. Found out through the grapevine that his wife had bought a ticket to come in and surprise him for uh, anniversary. And when he knew Miss Amy was on her way, this man's countenance went like this. Because he was expecting the love of his life to show up. And when she got here, it wasn't very long. She stayed a few days. But for a few days, it was just like he had never left. They, I mean, and I got a chance to meet her. She came and worshiped with us, and one day they're going to all be around here, and that's coming. We'll talk to you about that in a little bit. But that confident expectation gave you what you needed to get through those days. You see, who's the love of your life? Who's the deepest part of your life? If you've received the goodness of God to the point that it's, it's changed everything about you, let me say this to you. That person of grace is coming for you. He's not sending someone for you. He's coming personally for you. He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, why do I say it makes you happy? Look at the word, blessed hope. The Greek word makarios, it means blessed, happy, fortunate. Why should Christians live miserable lives? When the grace of God can give us the hope we need for today. And when we have hope, our countenance changes. What's so amazing about grace? Grace is how people are saved, lives are changed, and hope is raised. Grace is unmerited to the undeserving from the worthy one. 
Grace cleans me inside, transforms me outside, and has me looking at the upside. Grace is peace with God, love toward others, and hope for the future. Grace is available to all, powerful to the believing, and sustaining in difficulties. Grace is the beginning of good news, the standard of right living, and the finishing of history. Grace is the heart of God, the hope for mankind, and healing for the nations. Ladies and gentlemen, grace is gentle, accepting, it's sacrificing, sacrificing, and the only appropriate description for grace is one word, and that is amazing. How do you get this grace? There's only one way. Grace is available to us through faith. Now, what I've talked to you today about, what I have spoken to you about, resonated with many of you. Things on the inside that needs to be changed. Let me tell you something. Receive the grace of God, and God will change you on the inside. Do you believe that? Everybody look up here. Do you believe it? See, if you don't believe, you don't receive. God's grace is available to us, and we access his grace by faith. The Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. So if you're the skeptical person here today, and you hear what I've said about the power of God to change you on the inside, and the Apostle Paul is the one that said it first. He said, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us denying ungodliness, denying worldly lust. We should live soberly, righteously, godly. You want that lifestyle? It's available inside. How do I get it, you believe? Are you willing to believe on God today? Are you willing to come to Jesus and repent of your sin and believe in him today? Are you willing to change from being religious to being one who has a relationship with Jesus today? It's up to you now. All you've got to do is believe. When you believe, you will receive. God's grace is for you.